Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. This is your co-host, Justin Knott, and I'm really excited today. It's just going to be me, and I wanted to kind of get into the weeds, so to speak, on now that we're in 2023 on medical SEO strategies for you medical practices out there and what we're seeing as we closed out 2022 and we move into 2023 with a lot of changes working really, really effectively and really moving the needle the most because there's so many different things out there. There's so much intangibleness, obviously, up around SEO. And as a brick and mortar medical practice, when you're looking kind of at the bottom line of how do we rank for things? How do we get in front of the right patients? How do we get those patients to our website and how do we convert them? What is really making the difference there? And that's kind of what I want to focus on today and kind of keep it short and sweet about what we really see baseline is going to make the biggest difference. Starting kind of right out of the gate, and I've talked about it a lot if you've listened to our content, is website structure. While you've heard kind of everything is shifting local on Google, Google My Business, which is now Google Business Profiles, all of that is happening really in real time. And while yes, things Google is incentivized to answer as many of your questions when you're a patient looking for a local practice or a local specialist without you having to go to their website. This is true, but they're also relying on website generated content, which would be your website, as well as user generated content. And those are the reviews you hear about all the time on your Google business profile to drive search experience forward. They can't do that without websites. And yes, I think there is going to come a day where they can do a lot of that, but they need us as the marketers, us as the practices to provide the content that they can display or associate with Google business profiles and local search. And so in the, for the foreseeable future, there's no devaluing the value that a website has on local search. Yes, you may see less patients actually making it all the way to your website and still converting as an appointment book on your Google business profile or, or another place, but you wouldn't be ranking and you won't be ranking at the top for those searches to drive those users and those patient appointments without your website structure. So with all that said, what I mean by website structure is how your website is set up and without getting kind of too far in the weeds for the matter of this conversation is do you have all the relevant information for all the relevant treatments, procedures, conditions, whatever you want to call it on your website to be able to put yourself in a position to rank. So I talk about website structure and if you want to rank for it, you need a page for it as well as content on those pages being king. And they're really tied at the hip together because it doesn't matter if you have the page, if you don't have enough good structured content on that page to make it relevant and likely to rank. So you really need to look at both sides of that. If I want to rank for it, do I need a do I have a page for it? And what I mean by that is I think orthopedics is a good example because it's one of the more complicated structures because they have so many subspecialties inside of a specialty. But even say like a dermatology practice, they've got medical dermatology and they've got aesthetics most of the time. So you've got kind of two different buckets. Orthopedics has a lot of different buckets. They have like hip, knee, back and spine shoulder, hand and wrist, elbow, all of those different types of things. And so when you look at each of those buckets, whether you've got one major bucket for your your specialty or your PCP, or you've got a bunch of different buckets like ortho, you have to look at, do I have all those major buckets covered or all those major treatments and procedures? And then do I have all the sub treatments and conditions underneath each of those to be able to put myself in a position 
to have my Google business profile associated with that content, as well as to be able to rank in organic search rankings and SERPs for that particular thing that a patient's looking for. What I mean by that is if you do a search for like frozen shoulder, again, just staying in the orthopedic lane, if you do a search for frozen shoulder or specialist, or you do a herniated disc treatment or rotator cuff repair, any of those searches, and I keep, the list goes on and on and on for all of it. And you do that in a near me context, like you're looking for a specialist or treatment near me, those types of things. Everybody that ranks at the top, you're going to see ads, obviously, first, and then you're going to see Google business profiles. But like something like a rotator cuff repair, you can lay that in as a service on your Google business profile, but you, you're not going to have a category about that or anything. So how does it, how do those profiles show up? They show up because they have that content on their page associated with that specific treatment type. So their Google business profile has associated them as a relevant search to show up in the map pack for that search result. Same with the organic search results below. The organic search results you're going to see in your area, like I'm in Orlando, are more than likely going to be those practices in your area. You'll see a couple of physician directory listings that are still kind of hanging in there, but I think they're dying stars like health grades or a vitals, like find a shoulder specialist in your area, that kind of thing, or ZocDoc. But most of the time, the other is going to be a mix of local practices and hospitals that have a very specific page on that very specific topic that the patient is looking for. So if you don't have that infrastructure on your website that I'm talking about, you really have an impossible battle. I wouldn't even call it an uphill battle to be able to compete, especially when you're talking about the verticalization of all these healthcare systems that they buy up more local practices and they leave the internet, so to speak, as those practices become part of the health system. It just becomes more and more and more competitive, but you can compete with them if you have the right infrastructure, you have the right domain authority, and you're doing the right things on your website. So kind of once we move past, and the other, the other point I'll bring up about the website structure is the location pages are critical. If you are a multi-location practice and you're out there listening, it is absolutely essential that you have individual location pages for every individual location and a matching Google business profile for each of those location pages that is properly integrated. That is what's going to drive all the near me searches because you can't go Again, using frozen shoulder as an example, you can't go on your frozen shoulder page and then just go into the title tag or the page and list all of the cities that you practice in and expect to rank for each of those. It's just not going to happen. And it's going to look wonky to the end user, which is your patient going on and seeing like your page title of that page is frozen shoulder in seven different cities. It just looks weird. So typically you want to focus your top line treatments on your kind of primary metropolitan area of choice, if it makes sense for you, and then drive all of those kind of location specific treatment searches through your location pages. So that's another really important thing to remember is you want to make sure that you have that structure at a high level on your website and check those boxes kind of first and foremost before you move on. Or if you're working with an agency if they know what they're doing, they should be following this for the most part, at least at a generalization high level, if you're going to have success in your SEO strategy. Next up is I want to talk specifically to the content structures of all these pages that we've been talking about. I'm not going to get too far in the weeds. Again, this is kind of general high level knowledge of what's working really well in 2023 and what's working well is there's just more and more and more of a push by Google to make things very organic and 
in doing so, there's really no cutting corners too much anymore. There is a rise of the like chat GTPs and those kind of AI content writers, but I think Google's going to get ahead of those pretty quickly. We are testing them out and having and doing some fun stuff internally and looking at how to leverage those for clients. But again, you just have to be careful because AI written content, if you've heard about it or are looking into it, is an easy way to get a higher lift on the content that's being created and it's still being good content. The problem is, is Google has implicitly said they have already come up with ways because that AI written content leaves fingerprints behind, so to speak, like there's watermarks associated with a lot of it and they can pick up trace pieces of code, for lack of a better term, inside of that AI content. So all of that to say is they can tell or if they can't tell that well yet, they're going to be able to tell very, very soon. So they're going to begin to devalue that because again, they want to make sure that it's a very natural and organic experience to the search experience that users are seeing and not driven by AI technology or people cutting corners to write stuff at scale. They want to make sure it's had a human touch to it and it's really valuable content that's being delivered to the end user. So be careful with that. So going back to the content structures, the title tag is first and foremost, the most important piece of information that you're communicating to Google about what a given page is about. What that title tag is for listeners, if you're not as familiar with SEO, everyone's familiar with what a Google search result looks like. It is that blue hyperlink that is kind of the main title of each search result that you see when you scroll down a page. That is the title tag. Now, Google does kind of switch those around as they see fit to kind of best match an individual user search result. So for instance, if I search for rotator cuff repair and another user search for searches for rotator cuff tear, they may see the same page at the top, but there could be variability in the title tag that's shown to each of us based on our search history, our location, the exact match term that we search for, all that type of stuff. So Google does switch some of that around between the meta descriptions and all that, but it's imperative that you set it all up the right way. And what I feel, what I see a lot with practices working with agencies or trying to DIY it is allowing the title tag infrastructure to be set typically by WordPress's default structure because 40 to 50% of the internet's built on WordPress. So I'd say 60 to 70% of the clients that come to us probably even more, 75% or more are on WordPress or are in the process of migrating to WordPress um, at some point in the near future, which is a good idea just because it's a kind of the common language of the internet. It's just a lot easier to work inside of WordPress. I know there's people out there that would disagree with me in terms of security and vulnerability and HIPAA compliance, but all of those can be taken care of if you're doing things the right way and you're building in the right way, you're adding security in the right way, you're managing the HIPAA stuff depending on what the practices collecting in terms of intake and PHI information, all of that stuff can be taken care of in different ways, shapes, or forms, but it creates a lot of flexibility. And going back to the default thing, what I mean is you create a page, you publish it, WordPress is automatically going to add the name of that page on the front end, dash the name of your practice. That's how it's defaulted. That is not how it should be structured though for good SEO. A good SEO agency or somebody that is taking the time and TLC to do the SEO the right way on your website, will rip that out and rebuild it to be much more specific to what 
research is telling us and data is telling us, your search console is telling us, as well as what patients are searching for and including your geographical area. So you really wanna have a customized structure for that. And the same goes for your page. You wanna make sure that you have, what how I describe a good infrastructure on a page, a service treatment page on a practice website. is similar to how I would describe you learning how to do an outline when you're in the seventh or eighth grade. What that looks like is you got the, the most important thing and then it kind of goes down from there in indentation form almost if you're thinking about it as an outline. So you got your title tags most important, your H1 tags the next most important, H2 tags, H3 tags, H4, and then body copy, so on and so forth. And you want to make sure that you're giving Google all of those things in the right orders with the right designated tags associated with them. And if you're doing that, it takes the guesswork out because Google aren't real people in terms of they don't go to millions and billions of websites and trillions of data points every single day and digest all of that information and then put it into a functional search ranking order with human beings. They do it through AI and rank brain and all of that kind of good stuff. And so because there's not a personal touch and they're looking at it and discerning what they think that you may mean by this page, you have to make it implicitly clear through good structure. This is what I mean. This is what's important. This is what the focus is. This is what I'm wanting the user to do and what I want it to translate in terms of relevant search results. And the more you do that, the better you're going to perform because the less guesswork it is for Google. And it's the same thing with, if you've heard the term keyword cannibalization, it's why everybody warns you against don't create too much of the same material on your website because you could confuse Google to not understand which one is the priority to rank for that search term. And this is where people get really messed up in blogging. It's where I see agencies, like somebody hires an agency and they're like, well, we'll write two blog posts a month for you. So they just start beating the hell out of Botox or Juvederm or whatever it is that they want to rank for and just writing 15 blogs. It's just not going to get you anywhere. We'll get to blog posts in a little while, but that's just an example of yourself cannibalizing yourself. You're confusing Google because they don't understand which is the main focused page for this focus keyword. And you want to have one solid thought about one solid thing and kind of go on from there. And those are really important to keep in mind. The other I'd say is video content without getting too far into video content. Video content has become really, really big. So much so that we even developed our own SaaS based software product called capture MD that I would encourage everybody to look up if you want to get your providers involved in creating content. And if you do have an in-house social team, give them the support that they need to get more video content out the door. It's really, really frictionless, but without plugging that, all of that was to say, we saw so much of a need for video content. And as everybody knows, the story is that the physicians are busier really than anybody. So it's really difficult as well intended as they are to get them sitting down in front of a computer and starting to click the record button and actually create video. But it's so essential to connect those dots to the patient on those treatment pages, on social media, on their provider pages, all those things. And what video content does at an SEO level is everyone says like YouTube's the biggest search engine, very, very true, second biggest search engine, it's owned by Google, all that stuff. I still think we have a long way to go in terms of getting that integrated at a local level for local search results, like seeing like if you record a frozen shoulder 
procedure video and put that on your YouTube channel. So you put it on your socials to see that when somebody's looking for like a shoulder specialist or frozen shoulder treatment near me, we still have a long way to go till we start, I think, seeing video content and a lot of that infrastructure, because I think we're still waiting on people to create that much video content for like localized type search, but it's coming. But I think the biggest thing for video is outside of like social content engagement, the no like and trust relationship stuff that it can build is the SEO ramifications. And the big thing that it does is it increases on page time. It does two things. It increases relevancy because the more content, mixed medium content that you have on a page or mixed media content you have on a page, like images, videos, on and on, the better that page is gonna do. And what video does is Google puts out a search result, people click on that search result, and then they're weighing multiple different factors to see if they present that search result at the top or wherever it was presented before based on a bunch of different factors. One of the biggest ones being on page time. Like how fast does somebody leave this page after they've been shown that search result and clicked on it? And Google puts a lot of weight on that because that's one way they deduce was this content closely relevant and good at answering the question for what that person was searching for. The longer they stay on there, the more that Google deduces, all right, this is a pretty spot on representation of what that search result should look like. So we're going to keep that near the top or move it up the rankings because people are spending more time on that page. That is a really big SEO benefit because naturally, if you're reading through a page on a website for a particular procedure or a particular diagnosis or something, you come to a video, you watch that video, even if it's a minute or two, they just spend another minute or two on that page, which is really going to help increase SEO. So that's a, one of the big reasons directly from an SEO standpoint, why it's a good idea to be investing into content on these treatment pages, because it's going to increase on page time and it's going to increase SEO. And that's really, really big. Next up is Google business profiles. We've talked to Google business profiles a bunch already. And most people are, it was Google my business, if you're not aware, and Google decided they wanted to change the name. So they changed it to Google business profiles and then made it all wonky by forcing you to have to update all your information in actual search results, which makes no sense. But long story short, same thing, different name. And it's become incredibly and increasingly more important. Everybody hears about reputation, reputation management and review generation for patients. It's almost exhausting how much everybody hears about it now, but it doesn't dilute how critically important that it really is. And the reason why is a lot of the stuff we've talked about. Google's driving people local and they also wanna keep people off of websites. They wanna answer as many questions as they can in the search experience without taking you to a website one of the best ways they do that is through the Google business profiles. So it's really a two-sided game. You've got a request from Google to create your business profile. So you're the one driving the business generated content of this is who we are. This is what we do. This is where we're located. These are pictures of us, all that good stuff. And then they put the onus on you to go out and solicit yourself to patients or consumers to leave reviews, which is user generated content that then drives rankings because Google doesn't want to do all of the legwork to try to figure out who's doing a good job from a local business standpoint and who's not. So they're putting it on the users to encourage them to leave reviews that will allow Google to deduce 
contextually what's inside of those reviews that would be relevant to a search result as well as if the business is good or not, and they should continue to recommend it in search results for future patients. Because you have to keep in mind with Google being in the search experience game that they don't want a user to have a bad experience as a result of the search results that they gave to them, like getting their credit card information stolen by taking them to a shady website or them going to a practice and not having a good experience, those types of things. So they're going to really give pecking order to people who do a good job from a reputation standpoint of what they say is this is a good solid business, do what they say they do, people are happy, all that type of good stuff. So you have to kind of keep that in mind. And it's also why in the health industry, especially we talked a lot to it, but everybody bangs their head against the wall of like, all the reviews that I get as a provider, they never have anything to do with my bedside manner or my care. It's about long waits in the waiting room and, and so on and so forth. And we should be able to get some of those reviews or it's somebody not understanding their insurance. So they leave a pissed off review, but it has actually nothing to do with us and it's all on them. And Google won't let us delete it. And it's ridiculous. On Google side, what they're saying is we want purity and reviews. And so they are kind of incentivized on their end to not allow review removal because review removal means reviews could potentially be swayed or tainted. And that creates not the search experience that they want. They want it as pure as possible, whether you see it through different lenses or not, that's the lens that they're seeing it through. And that's why it's so difficult to get a review removed is they don't want there to ever be a perception that you shouldn't have full faith in what you're seeing on these business profiles because it's what happened to Yelp. When the word got out that your reviews would be suppressed if you weren't advertising with Yelp, all of a sudden there was user distrust and are those reviews genuine, but more importantly, are they being manipulated by Yelp or by the business in terms of what I'm seeing and why I'm seeing it in that order? And Google doesn't want that. They want it to feel very pure. So you trust the search experience that you experience when you go on and you look for a dermatological provider or a, neuro, a neurosurgeon or whatever it is that you're looking for. Most people don't even put a second thought into are these reviews uh, really good or not, or have they been manipulated by the business and the business is deleting ones that they don't like kind of thing. So kind of keep that in mind, but yeah, it, it isn't really important to make sure you have all your ducks in a row business profile wise, and that you do have some type of a focused effort whether it's rolling your sleeves up and using QR codes or it's using a reputation management software to consistently be building reviews from patients because more than likely they're when they're happy and you catch up at the right time, the 30% of them or more would be open to leaving a review. And then last, kind of as we wrap up our 2023 medical SEO strategies journey is backlink building. Backlink building, if you don't know what it is, kind of in a high-level nutshell is... Any third-party website that's not yours, that links, like puts a link on their website back to yours. It's a back link. It's linking back to your website. It comes in different shapes and forms. It can be in the form of a list, in the form of a quote inside of a blog post, writing a guest blog post, being a guest on a podcast. There's tons of different ways. But backlink building is becoming increasingly important and something that we're doing kind of blanket now over the last year, we were doing it a little more sporadically because it's always been important, especially if you're a regional or national. So we're not talking about brick and mortars. It's been the name of the game for a long time. If you want to rank nationally, you really have to be investing in that. 
But the brick and mortar side, which is most of the practices out there listening, it hasn't been as relevant outside of citation building. Citation building, while it's not lost its relevance, it's lost some of its importance because so much of the power has shifted to Google business profiles. It's like, do I really need to spend time going out and doing listings management to make sure my city search or my hot frog or one of those obscure listings is correct? Because the likelihood of people visiting those anymore and actually using them from a decision-making process is very low. Is it important to make sure your data is accurate? Yes. But again, I just think priority shifted. That was kind of the backlink building strategy of old. When I say old, like even two, three years ago for local businesses is you wanted to make sure you had like all of your local stuff, all your directories in order, your citations claimed, listings management, blah, 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 so on and so forth. But now we're seeing diminishing returns over time in terms of just kind of how much content, how much infrastructure, how much blog writing that you can do for a site until I wouldn't call it stagnant, but things slow down. That's where backlink building becomes really, really critical and having a methodical process to go out and do guest blogging, do guest podcasts, all that different kind of stuff that is involved in having a successful backlink building campaign. But what we do with our clients is Obviously, depending on the maturity of the business and if they've got their T's crossed and their I's dotted, so to speak, and their website is in really good health when we take it on, we typically don't do block backlink building initially because usually the content and the website structure, all the stuff that we talked about on this podcast needs to be right first. And we never, I typically don't encourage people to begin backlink building until what I say, you have content worth backlink, backlinking to. And that's really, really important. And so you need to get the content infrastructures right kind of hold off a little bit, I think, until you have done the baseline things in the right order and in the right way. And then once you get to that point, backlink building can be a really, really successful way to give oomph to those more competitive treatments that maybe you're having a trouble breaking into the top three or just increase increasing your domain authority overall which is going to make all the content on your website more impactful to begin with. What domain authority is, is it's kind of this made up weighting scale that marketers and Google alike have kind of deduced just based on what we can tell data wise makes sites rank faster, easier, better. And over time creates again, more authority for your website. It's a score from zero to a hundred. The one hundreds of the world are like the YouTubes and the Googles and the LinkedIn's and the Inc and Wall Street Journal, all the heavy hitters that everybody's heard of. They're going to have like 95 and above scores. It's why what I always tell, because it makes sense, is it's why those websites can produce content for really difficult keywords to rank for, like leadership or speaking or marketing as a general keyword, like 10 marketing tips to grow your business. It could take years for the lay website, so to speak, to rank for something like a keyword marketing or leadership, but they come out with a new article by one of their contributors and it's ranking in the top three overnight. It's because they have a hugely, hugely impactful domain authority that Google right out of the gate doesn't even really have to think twice. They launch that thing right up to the top because they know people are gonna love it. They're gonna ingest it. Lots of eyeballs are gonna be on it. It's gonna be good, solid content. They can completely trust it and they've proven themselves time and again over 20 plus years 
of creating content Google can believe in that people love and that people like we were talking about backlinks are willing to backlink to because people cite those websites in their articles all the time. So they're literally probably getting to up to tens of thousands of backlinks every single day. Some of those websites, which is just reaffirming, reaffirming their authority to Google. In our case, we want to increase domain authority because most practices, unless they've been around for a long time, because domain age does have a big thing to do with domain authority, are going to have domain authorities in the 20, 25, maybe 30 max range, which is typically enough to compete in most geographical areas because you're really just competing for all of those localized near me searches and not for like national level searches. So that'll do. But when we kind of get into that second phase of SEO, like we're talking about, and we want to continue to pour fuel on the fire and really continue to push things aggressively forward in terms of breaking through the ceiling where we can't and continuing to drive the things that are performing well, backlink building is incredibly effective to drive backlinks directly to those that content, as well as just as you do backlink building over time, you gain more trust with Google, which increases your domain authority. And like we just went over, the more domain authority you have, the easier it is for you to create elbow room at the top above your competitors. So that's why we use it to really great effect and are putting more and more and more focus for our clients on that, either right out of the gate or typically kind of as the secondary step in the long game of what SEO is. And that's going to be really effective in 2023 and beyond, because again, it's making Google's job easier by putting onus on creating good content and then generating backlinks to that quality content is making sure we're creating a good experience with good organic user generated content over time. So I hope you enjoyed today. I hope it wasn't too technical for everybody that was listening out there. But again, these are the things that we do day in and day out for our clients to grow their practice websites, rank them, improve their authority, and ultimately get more patience through the door. And these are the things that we're seeing, a lot of them simple in nature, but can be tough to execute on the right way. And we see a lot of people tripping on that stuff. So I like to just kind of reiterate it. It's probably a lot of the stuff you either heard in a presentation before, or if you've listened to our podcast, you've definitely heard me talk about it, but just kind of distilling it and reaffirming it's still working. There are some new things that we're focusing on as well, but a lot of the tried and true roll your sleeves up and do it the right way and have a clear vision about how you're going to do it and having experience, so much experience in medical certainly helps as well. But these are the things that I see as we continue to move through 2023 being really, really effective. So thanks again, as always, for listening to the Patient Convert podcast. Make sure you check out more of our upcoming episodes and all the great content that we got coming out. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, 
Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.